0: are back welcome to match point number nine a tennis bets podcast i'm your host david ej berger you can find our show handle at mp9 tennis and if this is your first time checking us out chances are that's how you found us if you're a returning listener thank you welcome back uh our, our previous show our u.s open preview show was our biggest show ever so thank you to everyone who listened and we're going to go over some stuff we talked about on that uh we did it was, it was a mixed bag. I'm not gonna lie, but I, you know, we offered more actionable information than just uh, the street picks uh, gave a good layout of, uh, of the tournament. I thought uh, it was a good kind of preview to get your head wrapped around what you were about to witness. Thank you once again with me as always is my number one talking tennis, bro,
1: Derek, Derek. Hello. Hey everyone. Welcome back. Um, this week's been pretty good. What Tommy Paul lost. I'm over that, but Tiafoe won today. So I'm feeling great yeah you're the goat number one goat tommy lover you were sad when he went down in a
0: in a is it i was gonna say blaze of glory but it was a blaze of infamy maybe all right and with us once again uh john reed at jr tweets tennis uh you know this guy if you bet on tennis at tidbits tennis action network betting expert uh john i think i saw you are you is it something come a uh, hammer time now too did i see you
2: yeah yeah they launched uh, a new network and uh and it's, there's a bunch of Canadians involved in it too, which is actually really cool. But yeah, it's a lot of, uh, they just launched it today. So I'll be doing some videos and uh, another written article or two a week over there as well.
0: That's amazing. And thank you for uh, joining us uh, on a more permanent basis. That's right. John is now part of the crew moving forward, at least for the foreseeable future. So a welcome addition. Got some some nice comments about you joining the show, John. So thank
2: you good i'm sure that i'm glad the good always the bad because i'm pretty sure there might have been one in there that didn't like me very much but that's who i am yeah they love me or you hate me i mean that's just what you get with me i don't mince words and i don't really care
0: all right well um in the gambling sphere accountability is king so let's look back at uh some of the plays we laid out in the last podcast real quick uh, my best bets went two, two and two i i lost both sides with rusevori going down to jack draper got kind of screwed on that one match got pushed my whole angle on the the sun was uh nowhere to be seen because it was took place in the evening but that's okay that's okay uh That narrative did play out against uh, Hatchinoff about four days later. So hopefully people pocketed (laughs) that information. Um, And then Molchan went down to Montero and that was my my number one best bet. Uh, And I I think I got trapped. I think that might've been the trap bet of the year. I I think he probably should have been a higher favorite. I don't know. I don't know what happened to that one. (laughs) <laughs> Just on the wrong side. I did hit uh, Tabilo and uh, Camille Meischek each winning a set. Uh, the over nine and a half set one in Atta pushed on the set one over and Rendernich, Haliz, and Sock and Diego looked like it was cruising over uh, until Sock died. So two, two, <laughs> and two. Some other stuff we got wrong. Uh, Andy Murray made us pay for, you know, picking Francis Rendelo against him. Bedene came back uh, and lost to Kachin. In uh, the the ten point tiebreak, that was a, a heartbreaker. But Kachin had a pretty good USO. Good on good on him. I think he I think he got some solid hardcore experience. John, I know Kachin
2: is kind of your boy. Yeah, you know it was good to see him do well this week. It cost me money in that first round, but I made it back with that. He re- he did the reverse where he came back against Brandon Holt and then didn't lose the fifth set tie break. So kind of made it back there. And then I absolutely hammered uh, Quarantay Moutet against him in the next round. So all's well, that, all's well that ends well. I also lost Nishioka, although I didn't actually bet him because I had looked at the price before our show, talked about it, and then I released bets afterwards and he was down to plus 115. So the market kind of saved me there. Mm. Took a lot of money from plus 140 to plus 115. I was like, ah, I don't like him so much here anymore. But I did say that on the pod as well. So if anyone did tail then you know accountability do there as well
0: all right well other stuff we hit it wasn't all uh bad Uh, we hit tiafo jerek you had this tiafo covering four against giron we had bonzi beating uko adm covering uh in his first match uh and jj wolf to snag a set against rba so some good and some bad uh it was uh one thing we did get wrong that i didn't have uh laid out here was uh the seeds fell i didn't go back and count i should have went to see how many but man it it's uh it was madness <laughs> the beginning of the week uh, last week uh, the first two rounds I think uh, the results were a bit all over the place it was I mean Fritz going out early Sitsipas going out early not only did seeds fall but big seeds fell I don't know what uh, either of you guys have to say about the the early madness of the U.S. Open
1: so do you think that Novak not being in this tournament had a big play in Fritz and Sitsipas just kind of boning out at the very beginning, just because they probably were looking way too far down the line.
2: Maybe would entertain that, but like, I don't think Brandon Holt beats you because you're (laughs) overlooking him I think Brandon Holtz beats you because you play like absolute dog (laughs) doo-doo like if we're being honest like Fritz knows he lost that like he lost that match Holt doesn't have much to his game right that's why Kachin came back and beat him like you you can't like beat Pedro Kachin on a hardcore, bro like how are you beating Taylor Fritz I don't know but that first week was an absolute bloodbath for me so I've I've pulled a lot of it back this week and I'm pretty happy about that but poof, madness indeed
1: yeah, this that first week, yeah, that that didn't do fair or didn't do well for my bankroll. But yeah, I've been making it back ever since. But Jesus Christ, that first round was a disaster. You couldn't predict anything. There wasn't a common thread between all the matches. It's just everything was just up in the air, and no one should have been a favorite, and no one really should have been a dog either.
0: Yeah, I've had a hard time uh, pre-serve uh, getting a real grip on what side to be on. Uh, live betting has been really saving my bacon uh, all tournament and man there's been some great opportunities even you know uh, the shapo rublev tie break i grabbed rublev at minus 105 money line i mean this has just shown <laughs> the past 10 days have shown just how valuable live betting can be and, and you know how much it pays to pay attention as the the match is going on especially you know when things are a bit topsy-turvy pre-serve on these uh these lines and these numbers yeah i just uh, suck
2: at live betting <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad there are people making some money out there doing it. I'm just like I can't a damn thing live betting.
0: Well, I mean when um Cilic won the fourth set against Alcaraz, uh Alcaraz fell back to minus 130. That was a no-brainer and thankfully he pulled that out uh but yeah, the the live betting has been uh has been great. Okay, outrights uh I have sinners. we mentioned Fritz and Norway dead. I also had Bodic making a run and he did not. Ugh, I'm so I'm bitter about that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that dude that dude did not play well um, at this tournament all right so some good and some bad for us here uh, any thoughts or lessons here you know that stick out to you from what you've seen from the u.s open up to this point that maybe we could you know pocket for next year or moving forward any overall thoughts
2: yeah the men's game is not as strong as i think a lot of people like to make it out to be even myself included like i'm a wta fan as well a lot of people love to dump on the WTA's top 10 being very weak, which to be fair, it is. But let's not pretend like the men's game is in the best place either. A 19-year-old who's insanely athletic, insanely gifted, and has awesome power, granted, but has very little like the point construction and the ball bashing and the air counts are unreal. He's now going to win this US Open. I mean, Carlos Alcaraz is going to win a lot of slams in his in the coming years. But like he he shouldn't be ready yet. Like, he should not be ready to win the 2022 U.S. Open with his game, the lack of point construction, the lack of thinking through points, and just being like, I'm going to run every shot down, get everything back, and then use my power. And when my power lands, I'm going to beat you. And there's just not really, like, a developed approach there yet, which is fine. You're a teenager. Like, that, that, meant, that IQ part of the game comes as you get experience. But, like, he should not be winning the 2022 U.S. Open, and he's going to do it. That's what my takeaway is, is next year, like, when you get to the slams, and the books are just going to make every single big seed and big name, a massive, massive favorite because it's three of five and it's tougher to take them down. Look for some dogs uh, that are either in form or decent in those conditions, because I think you're going to find some great value, especially on the plus games
1: market. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's just like, you kind of just think that Alcaraz isn't even mature enough to even deserve to win a a slam at this point. It's kind of crazy, but like he's definitely going to win some down the line, but it's like, there's no Novak, Rafa just bailed because he wanted to go have a kid or something like that, <laughs> and then Tiafoe's stepped up his game to another level. To the but like, if you were to ask me about like six months ago if Tiafoe stepped up his game to like just one more level, I wouldn't have been all like, oh yeah, he's gonna be a U.S. Open semifinalist. But now he's got a chance to even make it to the final and even have a chance to win. I mean like. I don't know. I don't even think it's necessarily Alcaraz's is, is he's like just locked in to win because the last what three guys was Medvedev was the favorite to win and then it was Nadal and then it was Curios, and then now it's Alcaraz. So I don't know. Is he the the one that's going to leave the carousel next or what?
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like all these guys are the same. I mean, you look at Curios you know he has that big one against med who then you know who blamed the air conditioning for his loss which <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's something to that i don't know but uh i mean then he turns around and loses to to Hachinov. i mean it's just none of these guys are that mentally tough they're all more or less the same skills wise i mean some might be a little bit more you know have a better serve or better from the baseline they might have all their right edges there but mentally no one is that strong they're all very susceptible to just dumping or having a bad match i mean it, it's it's they could have all the talent in the world but mentally all these guys can just check out and get beat it's it's kind of crazy
2: which brings it full circle to the whole, like, it's not that much, like the top 10 isn't that much stronger than the WTAs right now. Because yeah, that's no, the no. critique of the WTA, right? Is these women aren't strong enough mentally. None of them are con- going consistently deep enough. Although Sabalenka is starting to get there ego, but not to get off track. But I mean, you can make a lot of similar critiques and really in the general tennis world, we're only hearing it about the women's side. Um, I'm not going to like attribute any motives to anything. We're not like that's for everyone else to decide on their own. Yeah. But I do think you can make that, uh assessment with the ATP as well right now. And from a betting perspective, if the general view, you know, isn't aligning with that, then you could find some value opposing top players when they're maybe seen as better than they actually are at this moment. Not to say they all suck, right? But at this moment, like Medvedev hasn't had a good year. Sitsipas has been off and on and not great since his loss to Runa. I mean, there's a lot of value to be had if you know when to fade these guys.
0: For sure. Berrettini against Rude, I think, was a prime example. Now, you can say that, you know, the handicap is wrong to pick Berrettini. He was a dog. He got hammered into the favorite, which I didn't love. I I should have bailed out on that that side uh, when I saw that type of movement. But at the same time, you know, looking at the numbers, I mean, it was going to be a tight match, and, and Berrettini was going to have more aces. He was going to hit more winners. It all came down to the unforced errors. It didn't come down to anything cuz the guy's effort and and was terrible. I mean, the guy went out there, he looked dead from the start, never got it back. I just what was that effort? What was that appearance by Mateo?
1: I mean, I saw that same effort in Curios yesterday. I think it's just pressure. And these guys just kind of got their eyes a little big looking at the end of the or just looking at the prize at the end while they still had a match to play like that specific day. And like Curios yesterday, he definitely should have won. And Berrettini, he probably had a very good chance of beating Rude, especially on hard court. And those guys just showed up with a, like an uninspired effort for a prize that they wanted to win. I don't know. It's very confusing to me as well.
2: I think it just comes out. I had—I don't know if it was our chat and one other one, or it was two separate, but I had two different chats come up with the same thought. Like, I don't think anyone knows each other in them either. But talk about, like, it looked like he was almost hungover. Like, li- like literally hungover. Like, he was trying not to convey or, you know, give up that he went out the night before his freaking quarter or something. But he was, like, a step slow. And just, like, everything looked a step slower than it should have been for him. So, I-, I don't know. That was a very, very off match. Um, Kyrgios, it did seem like pressure because then it was the cramp. And then I don't want to be here. And then all yeah. of a sudden it looked like he he did care. And he got back to level and then he went, I think he went down 2 one, then he got back to level again. And I think once he got to a fifth set, he's like, shit, I'm already here. I may as well, <laughs> like, well I, like, if I'm going to go five sets, I may as well win the damn thing. And you know, that, that early, early break killed him, but. Uh, that one seemed like pressure more than anything but uh, the barrettini one man no idea what the hell went on there like 6-1-6-2 to rude like rude's improved on hard courts he's not that much improved on hard courts
0: yeah for sure not but uh, you know there's plenty of tennis left on this calendar and a bunch of weird spots coming up so you know kind of heed this information of how susceptible all of these guys are to anyone on a given day a given match and uh, take a shot on some massive dogs as we head into this uh, indoor hardcourt run uh, to finish out the calendar year. All right, guys, well, we still have a little of this US Open left. The semifinals are ahead. Let's start with the one that's already set in stone. That is Casper Rude versus Karen Hatchinoff. Uh, Rude is currently sitting at a minus three games, minus 185 on the money line favorite. The total is at 40 and a half. Karen is a plus. 155 dog any first glance first blush reactions to those numbers
1: take the dog no matter what whoever's playing doesn't matter (laughs) but hatching off you just watched him last night i've I've never seen him that like cool as a cucumber ever i mean i still remember him just getting annihilated in that gold medal match against bear and then just smashing rackets like like he had a chance for some reason yesterday i'm like watching i'm like huh he's actually like remaining calm and on break points. He was just like from the deuce court, he was just serving those aces wide. Like it was no problem. And he just didn't really have much pressure on him and he was able to get through it. If he plays that same game against rude, I, I granted that rude is a completely different player than curious. I mean, he's going to have a chance here. It, it doesn't seem like it's, It's much more than a 50-50 match to me.
2: One thing I want to, I'll add there too, is, you know, to that point of if he plays that way again, he seems like such a foreign player. I'm trying to pull up the run right now. I know it was in Paris. I just can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. He won Paris. Remember Jack Sock winning Paris was like a huge thing. It's the Masters 1000 where you get those random winners kind of like late in the season like the u.s open is where you get the more random winners because all these players have so much mileage on their bodies that it's who can hold up that that year i think he beat four top 10 players in his run to that title i'm i'm i got it here now yeah he beat zverev team djokovic back to back to back Mm. quarters semis and finals and john isner at that time was also ranked up there in the rankings whether it be top 10 or 15 or 20 i'm not sure either way this is what Hutchanoff does, right? When he's feeling his game, it is huge. Like he's got a massive serve. I like think he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He moves well for that height. He rips the forehand. The backhand, when it's steady, it can keep him in rallies. Like he's got a massive game. He's just never been able to put it together, right? No. You could say the same thing about Francis Tiafua quick courts too, but we'll get to that one. And ultimately, I, I think one of those, the prop bets is probably where I'm going to end up going on this, whether it's, you know, over three and a half sets plus root ML or over games plus root ML, that kind of thing. I think root is a little steadier. And now that he's holding it 90% on hard courts and he's improved that serve. I just think that that consistency over three or five pans out, but I don't think this is a straightforward kind of thing.
0: Yeah, the uh, serve prop for the Tiafo Rublev match was 30 and a half, uh, and that just snuck over with 32 total. So, I, yeah, I think that the props are a very solid way to play this, not just with uh, packaging the winner and a, a games total which i have to say are, are are pretty juicy you know i unfortunately haven't had much success with them but i mean like you know i sinner was a massive favorite against Zivashka. you know i played him played him to win in under 40 and a half games which was pretty generous i thought and that was plus 110 i mean yeah it sucks that sinner biffed that one away but that was a pretty good price and a pretty good number to play it at so um depending on your book these match specials are pretty awesome so definitely take advantage and and look deeper on the menu because you know they're they're offering 50 more bets than than normally at uh than they will at Mets uh next week or San Diego, <laughs> San Diego coming up. All right. Well i'll paint a little bit more of a picture here. Uh Roots Path to this point. Uh he beat Kyle Edmund, uh Van Reithoven, Tommy Paul in a match that he escaped. Tommy it crushed him winner-wise, uh, but hit 82 unforced errors in that match. And of course, uh, I believe he got bageled and, and, or he got breadstick. What was, did he get bageled in the last? It was uh, a bagel in the face. Yeah. It was bagel, yeah. Ruby Mutet then, and then uh, Berrettini in the aforementioned uh, Dud performance by Matteo. Uh, he's dropped uh, four sets all tournament. So he's he's been playing pretty well, kind of uh, under the radar, keeping it moving and just keeping uh, the dubs piling up. Karen's path here, Bikula, Montero, Draper in a retirement, Busta, which was a, beating booster and then beating Nick. Two pretty solid wins compared to this resume from from Rude in his path, I think. Um he's dropped uh, a set in every match so far. So, little uh, nugget there. Uh Rude has only hit more winners than Mutet in his path. Karen has only hit more winners than Kudla. So there should be there's not going to be a, a significant winner advantage between these two. Potentially Karen obviously I think has a slight edge with aces. He hit 30 against Nick last night. Um Rude hasn't been a big ace guy this week. Uh, both have been pretty clean with unforced errors compared to their opponents on the way, except Karen did have one more. The Montero, the clay grinder. Maybe that's something uh, Montero maybe has a game a little similar to Rude in the sense uh, that you know they're both kind of clay guys ish. I, I don't. They're not a one for one comp, but you know, working the baseline uh, and making Karen move. I don't know if that's if that's anything there john any any thoughts on that
2: i mean i think montero is just like one of those guys who on clay is a little more comfortable on hard courts he can be rushed and he's got a good serve and a good forehand like he's not a typical you know federico correa or some someone like that where the game is just underpowered and they need the clay to slow things down I think he's almost the other way around. Like he's got a, a decent first serve and he's got a forehand, but God, he hates how fast the game plays and like the balls on his racket long before he wants it to be there. Like that's his struggle on hard courts more than anything. So, I mean, in that sense, I I, I guess so. I think Root is a little more comfortable, but Root, they both have decent serves uh, and I don't think they're both like traditional. They don't necessarily need to play 15 points and wait for it or 15 shots and wait for an error to win a point, right? They can f- find big serves and find cheap points. And I think that's that's why they have both, uh, or, sorry, Rude far more than Montero has developed into a better hard quarter, but even Montero, like that Molchan win, he can keep sets close on hard courts because he does have a serve and he doesn't need to rely on errors from his opponent.
0: All right, well, I'm going to go with Rude. You know, he made it to the final in, the French Open, uh, he's a little bit more, you know, battle tested in that sense. Uh, in, in terms of meeting the moment to get there, uh, it's such a massive win for for Karen. I, I mean, I, to match that level of intensity that he had against Kyrgios, I think is going to be difficult. And uh, you know, we mentioned the mental uh, aspect of the, of this game, and I just feel like I trust Rude more than I trust off in that aspect. Uh, I think it's really going to take a big effort from Hachinoff serve, you know, and he's. Drop sets every match along the way. So, you know, that Rude is, is definitely not going to be in straights. And I, I think Rude minus three is a, a pretty decent number. And I wouldn't be surprised if you just wanted to go Rude money line. I, I wouldn't shock me if that creeped up over minus to minus 200 uh, at some point uh, before first serve.
1: Oh, I'm taking hatching off on that. I mean, just watching Rude against uh, Tommy Paul, I'm not playing favorites here with this whole Tommy Paul stick that I got going. But yeah, the Tommy Paul and that whatever that third set when he was up uh, six five, uh, he was serving for the set, and he was up forty love. He should have won, and then he just blew it. And then, granted that, let's say that the fourth set, like he did win that. I don't know, maybe he wouldn't have won if he were to won the third set. But still, like I think Rude is definitely beatable, and I don't think hatchinoff can do it. I mean. Well, he's only lost, Rudy said four sets, and then two of them were against Tommy Paul. Yeah, yeah. So what makes you think that? I don't know. I, I can't really see like Karen not trying to replicate that same thing.
0: True. I guess I just trust Rude more mentally, yeah. and I, I I think that he's gonna make Hachenoff uh, work. And I think of the two guys that are gonna give away free points. I think Hatchinoff is the guy that's gonna give away free points more.
1: Yeah, definitely. And dude, Hatchinoff's post match interview, his on court interview was hilarious last night. It was that brought like the Medvedev sarcasm, thanking quote unquote thanking the crowd. That was (laughs) that was just too good. And I was like, this guy's his he's kind of like bulletproof in terms of uh letting the crowd get into his head, and not that like Rude's gonna have a crowd with him. I don't think anyone's going to really even know who to root for in that match. I don't know. I, I think his emotional state's just at a different level.
0: I mean, it's kind of like a, a, a narrative of like, you know, hatched is a, a player on a hot run, which has been the player to take all summer long, you know, uh-huh. take that guy that's been blazing through the bracket. doesn't matter about where he's at in his career, what he's been doing <laughs> all year is just on one that week. So, you know, if we want to keep that trend, I definitely think the only thing I would say is I want, more than plus 155 you know that's you know if it creeps up to plus you know 175 180 that that would, I, I think i would like that more versus rude who i think is a player has been developing been working driving towards winning a, a slam and being a top tier player still not past his prime this is what he's been working towards a, a more traditional you know story there with him um john do you have any final thoughts on, on this match
2: yeah i'm I'm still figuring out like one if i'm gonna bet it and two how uh, you know first set overs here probably look decent. I wonder if you can get a half decent number on it too, because I don't know if Rude Serve is. I don't think it can still be undervalued at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's proven all year on hard courts that, like, yeah, he's holding it a, at a high rate. But you know, that over first first set could be a really interesting market. I mean, you you're sitting in that minus one fifty range, depending on which. Book you're looking at i mean one of my books i think has 160 165 one of them has 150 155 then the over 10 and a half you're getting up to like plus 160 and a tie break like i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised to see a tie break here it's 275 i mean these are all different ways to attack it rude plus over three and a half sets I don't usually like to take the over with a favorite, but I think in a Grand Slam, I think it's a little more feasible. So, like Rude plus over three and a half cents. There's, I'll be, I'll be diving into the props markets, looking for, uh, for something on this match. I think there's going to be more value found there.
0: Yeah. And follow, uh, John, uh, at Tibbetts tennis. Uh, he posts all of his plays there. So check that out. Okay. Well, I played today that, so they had the total pretty jacked up with uh, a and Rublev and I, I, played the under 41 and a half. Now it got a little dicey because <laughs> those first two sets were uh, real chunky, uh, both going to tie break, but, uh, I just, you know, when they, when they have it so juiced up, like, I mean, well, you basically need, you know, two tie breaks or three tie breaks, or a fifth set to get there the under to me is like you know at 40 and a half here i I think that there's you know some value to hit the under 40 and a half here because uh, we could you know see a couple six three sets it only takes one break uh to get a six three a six four you know maybe even a six two maybe one guy just just doesn't show up that day you know it's a big pressure match um or or, you know you're counting on both players to to be at their best to, to hit that 40 and a half so under, I don't, I don't hate either. All right, guys. Well, we have another match uh, that's not totally set in stone. We have one side with Francis Tiafoe, uh punching his ticket into the semis, and then it's going to be the winner of Yannick Center or Alcaraz, which has not been played at the time of recording here. But I think that these are two players that uh, we talk about routinely on this podcast, so I feel like we can have an informed conversation <laughs> about uh, both sides here. No matter who wins between Sinner or Alcaraz, uh, Tiafo is going to be the underdog uh, in that match. Uh, would would we all agree with that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: All right, John, you, you've already laid out that you think Carlos is, Carlitos has taken this whole thing down. So uh, I feel like I know your prediction here. Tiafo's path to get here. Uh, he beat Marcos Giron, Kubler, M-McKubler, as I like to call him, um, <laughs> Diego Schwartzman, uh, Nadal, which was insane. Uh, good on you, Francis. I hit that two ways, the, the, the plus games and the have sets. That was I can't believe that price it was awesome. Few, <laughs> such few moments we get awesome because you know what it was? It made up because it made up for him being such a, a juiced favorite against Schwartzman, which I wanted to hammer him as a favorite or a, a slight dog or, or a dog or a slight favorite, but he was such a big favorite against Schwartzman. But then we get him as a massive dog in the doll. Awesome. Uh, and then, of course, he beats Rublev. And Alcaraz, Baez, Correa, Brooksby, Chilich, and Sinner. So I would say Big Foe's serve is real. That's a weapon for this dude. And he's staying clean with the unforced errors compared to his opponents. Uh, both Sinner and Alcaraz are... They're, they're UE guys. Uh, Alcaraz, uh, the worst of the, of the pair. Seattle only gave a two-point edge uh, points-wise to Nadal in the unforced, category, unforced error category, which I thought was pretty good. And he's a guy that can hit winners. So is... Alcaraz' center serve, though, I think, hasn't been spectacular compared to what it was at Wimbledon. Uh, he's only hit sixteen aces twice, single digits the rest of the way. Some of that could be of, you know, how his opponent's been playing a serve. But man, I, I, I think that we, when we first came back uh, after Wimbledon on this podcast, we're like, you know, center serve really improved. Seems to be doing. I just, it's not really, it's not really there. This USO run. I've talked for a while. Anyone have any thoughts on on some of the stuff I just laid out?
2: Yeah, I think foe. Um, for him, it's like a byproduct of quicker courts, right? I mean, he loves quicker courts for a couple reasons. And I think ultimately, um, the first, like, I mean, you look at his success, right? He's had good grass seasons before. He's made his other quarterfinal. His previous best run at a slam was in Australia, which where he made the quarters. And now at the USO, under a closed roof where they've sped up conditions from about three years ago again. Now he's in the semi because when you look at his game style, he doesn't have that much natural power and his serve on like clay or a slower hardcore is, is not underpowered per se, but underpowered relative to a lot of other top players right? Where if you get that quicker court, he finds more cheap points and he will beat you in a point construction game. He will beat you in a court coverage game an athleticism game. He will beat you in the ability to make shots on the run. He's good at net and he knows when to come in. He's very savvy, right? And that's ultimately why I played him against Rublev. Rublev has the biggest weapon on the court, but when you you have quicker courts, Foe's game plays up and now he's closed that gap on you in terms of how many free points you're going to get. And if he closes that gap, he's going to beat Rublev every time in the point construction game. He's going to beat him at knowing when to come into net and playing at the net. He look at his net points. They were, it was insane. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why he likes these quicker courts. His game can on slower surfaces be a little underpowered and his opponents can kind of take advantage of that on return when the courts are playing quickly and he finds cheap points. He's really tough to take out. Right, So I think that's ultimately why he's having so much success here. And Alcaraz, I mean, look, that Baez match was close until the retirement. Correa just sucks on hard courts. The Brooksby match, he was down a double break in the third. And that's a great matchup for him because Brooksby does nothing to really bother him. Like, he's athletic enough to get to all the slices and dices and, and still get them back. And then Chilich, needed five sets. I mean, that's kind of Alcaraz, though. Like, he should be beating these guys a lot more easily, but he kind of plays his way into these longer matches, but ultimately comes out on top. And I think that's what he's going to do against center. I think that's what he's going to do against quote.
1: Yeah. So the, like the way I see uh, Tiafo it's like his game is exactly what you just said. And then if I take a look at like, um, like Alcaraz, Alcaraz plays, I'd say he plays mostly a defensive game. He definitely plays an offensive game as well too. I think center plays a more defensive game than Alcaraz. Um, but either way, I think Tiappa plays a more offensive game than both those two. And I think he'd dictate the points more um, than and he would just overall dictate the game. So, I don't know. I think that Tiappa actually has a pretty good chance against both these two guys. And his level of play is just what we always expected him to be at. I mean, or always wanted him to be at. He's actually, like, sustaining it. He, usually before, he just couldn't sustain it throughout an entire tournament. And now... He's playing the US Open in the freaking semifinal and we're seeing him play it at the highest level as possible. Um oh, I, I really want tiafo to win. I am being biased towards that, but I'd still think he's a good value as a dog against both these guys. Um, I worry with Alcaraz, just you know, him being a spectacular player and, and pulling a rabbit
0: out of a hat against Tiafo. I you know, I, I definitely think I definitely don't think he's gonna push Alcaraz around. Alcaraz I don't know. When you have someone who's such an athlete uh and has so much power, uh I, I, I and I also don't question him in five sets. Um I, I will think that he will give three points away, so that'll probably keep Tiafo in the match a bit more. But uh the last guy standing, I can't picture I can't picture Giafo. <laughs> Over Alcaz, Alcaraz, I just can't get there. Do you want to make any uh, finals predictions uh, since we have a little bit of time left here?
2: I'll go, yeah. I mean, obviously Alcaraz. I'll go Alcaraz over Rude. Uh, I just think he matches up well with Foe. Like you said, the athleticism edge that Foe has against so many is just like it evaporates instantly if he has to play Alcaraz. So, um, but yeah, I think Alcaraz, and then again against Rude, like he can't be overpowered and he's just better at everything else on a hard court. So I'm going to go Alcaraz over Rude in the final.
0: Derek? Yeah, I'm
2: going
0: to uh, hold on a sec. We got I mean, we can we can cover all bases here. If you want to go Tiafo that way, we can at least say we had someone on. Here. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll throw my name into the fire right here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tiafo. Like I said, I am a Tiafo fan and I am rooting for Tiafo, But I, I just think there's some sort of magic here. And if he can get through in the semi i think he's got the final under his belt i mean that's going to be an, an easier win for him he's already gone through the nadal hurdle so i i can't imagine there being i don't know a, a huge surprise if he does win the semi-final
0: i'm going to take Alcaraz uh to win this whole thing uh, uh hatching off you know he's just a guy on a, a kind of a magic run like i said we've seen those those paying off for people all summer so don't don't blame anyone that wants to ride that lightning but uh but yeah i i, I think i got alcaraz uh, or foe here um all right guys well i feel like that was a nice tidy uh edition of this podcast uh some some good stuff and once again too like look uh, deeper on the on the menu for those props uh get yourself some in-pocket stuff uh that's not a side and a total um check out the the ace props check out um you know i what did i play uh there there was a good one that i hit uh with the nori um rublev match oh i played rublev not to serve an ace in his first game (laughs) and that was like minus 120 um so that was a pretty good one so there's some fun stuff there to to dig into check those out um follow us at mp9 tennis follow john at jr tweets and at Tibbits tennis Follow Derek at Fair versus Nagal. And uh, until next time, see you on the court.